0: Here is iUniverse Radio.
1: Greetings for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Picture for the Frame, Finding Joy Through Our Trials, a memoir. And joining me is author Regina S. Wood. Thank you for joining me today, Regina. Okay. Pleasure visiting with you. Tell me about your book. This is a memoir, 100 pages or so. You talk about your early childhood in Virginia and the fact that your father was not formally educated, but I'm certain, because he married a very bright lady, uh, that he was a a very intelligent guy. What did you learn in your early childhood that you wanted to share?
2: I learned in my early childhood that um, we, we should learn to place values on those things that are important to us. And family does come first, I believe, because at the end of the day, that to me, that's all that matters. And I learned that in my early childhood.
1: Your childhood was in a rural setting, and um, you you mentioned a couple of things that I found of interest. Uh, first of all, you uh, you have a family that seemed to have a foundation of faith in its uh, in your upbringing. Is that a, a correct observation?
2: Yes, that is that is correct. Both my mother and my father were both um, had a strong faith and a higher being.
1: Wonderful. And, and, and one of your brothers are, has become a pastor or became a pastor.
2: Yes, he is. He is currently a pastor, and he's doing wonderful things for people.
1: Yes. That's exciting. One thing that was a cautionary note that I discovered in your writing was the, uh, I, I think, the red flag that popped up because of a certain substance abuse. Is that something that you were warned against, or is it something that, that just happened uh, because of the people you were around? Uh, I, I'm referring specifically to alcohol.
2: Uh, yes. Well, early on, I, for some reason, I just had a fear of people who were intoxicated. Don't know where it came from because I didn't experience that with my father or my mother. Uh, my father was an occasional drinker, but that was just holidays and those kinds of things. So they were amazed at where did that fear come from, because I'd never had that exposure. But for some reason, I had a horrible fear of people who were intoxicated.
1: Do do you still have a a feeling of, uh, not dread, but a feeling of uh, concern about those who might embrace that?
2: Uh Meaning my readers, my
1: audience, or... Well, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I I guess I'm drawing from my own experience. I've, I've had a very uh, cautious view of alcohol because I, I have uh, seen its devastating effects on family. Is there anything in your book that would uh, maybe share that information with the reader? Uh,
2: well, um, the one thing is I want to emphasize, and what I I have strong feelings about is I do not like anything that will take away my control. And I firmly believe that alcohol can do that. And um, I just think we should very, be very careful of experimenting with things such as alcohol, drugs, um, and those kinds of things.
1: Absolutely great advice. You have uh, written about 100 pages. Uh, yes. Ms. Regina, how long did it take for you to complete your, your book and your memoir?
2: To be honest with you, I wrote that in about two weeks. Really? When I retired in 2002, I was just feeling so elated. I sat down, I wrote the book, then I put it aside. And uh, later on, I decided it was time I'd go and finish it up. Um, And that was one of the things I had on my bucket list.
1: I've got several things on my bucket list. I've emptied the bucket and pretty well set the bucket aside. It's amazing that you were able to continue and finish this. Were there any challenges in writing this? Uh, you know you went back uh, and i if I may reflect on the fact that you mentioned the uh, the the uh, the decade of the fifties as possibly your childhood, was it difficult to remember the details that you shared?
2: No, they were as vivid as um yesterday. And I still hold them dear. Because those were things that were that made such an important impression in my life. Um, and now when I see, as I move forward in life, those were the, the, the peaceful times, the beautiful times, when we didn't have all the emphasis on the material things in life. And I see that so much, especially in the field that I walk now um, with my clients. And I just see how much... The emphasis on material things is just so misplaced and so no. All of that information was so clear in my head and even so now it's still in my head. And that's what drives me, that's what that's what keeps me going.
1: What is the underlying message of your of your story? It is a memoir. I have many authors who write memoirs. Some are, uh, you know, very. Uh, I would say sad in their tone. This is not sad necessarily. Uh, you have an underlying message. What is that?
2: Okay, that's the one thing I was hoping that people would take away. Um, I don't want them to conclude that my trials were difficult or cannot relate their account to my life to my life. What I hope they find is when you have hurdles, um, never be downtrodden or discouraged, and I want them to somehow gain strength from what I went through and how I was able to maintain my joy through those times, specifically because I had um, a belief that I was always going to be guided and uh, provided for.
1: The title of your book, for The Frame, an unusual title. Where did that inspiration come from?
2: Believe it or not, I have no idea. One day, (laughs) it just suddenly came to my head Um, because oftentimes we do look for, um, if we have a photo, we want to have it embraced with something beautiful around it. And so I wanted people to kind of relate that even though you have your life, your circumstances, and your situations are already in place for you, similar to a frame, that you can make that picture as beautiful as you choose to. So that's where it kind of came from. Who knows? It's just suddenly one day it was just clear to me that that's what life should be about. Don't let that frame dictate what you put into it.
1: Oh, beautifully put. Your picture frame on the front of the cover has nothing in it or or has no specific uh, photo or uh, design in it. So you have, in some ways, left this open for the reader, perhaps to put their own uh, concept or picture of their life in that frame. Is that uh, possibly another reason you you chose that?
2: Yes, it is. And I also want them to know that they're not limited by that frame and what they put in there. And they can put in a beautiful picture, meaning that's that's that sort of a, what am I trying to say? Um, they can put in whatever they choose to. They can either make it good or they can make it bad. And so no matter what you have, when you start out with, you can change those things and make it beautiful and have that joy and peace.
1: Absolutely. That,
2: Absolutely. That was, that's our purpose. That's our purpose. Is to make life
1: beautiful absolutely and as any other person on the planet I'm certain that you have had uh, obstacles thrown in front of you as you were progressing through life and yet your book in general tone is one of inspiration and motivation what is the one thing that a reader is going to take away from or, or what story did you share that you think is uh, the the most satisfying that you reflected upon
2: story that I have in the book community certain sure,
1: certainly what 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 life motivation uh, got you to this point
2: well I think it's um, it's the total picture of everything I've gone through in terms of um, my early beginnings um, my working life and the things that I encountered and I just want people to know that life is not going to be just Um, as we planned it to be, and that we should be able to be resilient. Whatever comes our way, deal with it, embrace it, and move forward and make it as positive as possible. That's what I'd love people to come away with.
1: Beautiful. The back of your book describes it this way. In this memoir, she tells a story about the power of a promise, the power of love, and the power of faith. Through her Mm -hmm. personal experiences and challenges during her life, Wood offers advice for, first of all, having a grateful heart. That's obvious uh, from your conversation. Coping with life's unchangeable circumstances. Making the best choices for the maximum results. Living life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. Realizing that giving up is not an option. And striving to fulfill our purpose. You sound like a motivational speaker. Do you get out and uh, share your story in public with anyone?
2: You know, at one time I did, and then I got off track and I started doing, um, as you know, I'm retired from a federal government career, and at that point I decided I wanted to do those things that was most gratifying for me. The one thing I really enjoy as a real estate agent, I'm able to help people realize their dreams, and oftentimes I try to make the um, experience as positive as I can for them. And at the end, that's when I get my gratification. So it's not really motivated, motivated about what the income I will will produce. It's about seeing someone realize a dream.
1: Phenomenal. I, I guess it also could be summed up in putting others first and uh, le- leaving the results to, in your case, uh, because you are or have been a person of faith, leaving the results to God, I guess would be one way to describe that.
2: At did any- and in my work, no matter what I do, I always see the manifesta- manifestation of God. I see it every time. And when I move forward, and sometimes some of the things are so unbelievable, I don't even share it with people. Sometimes I do when I want them to just feel the power of God. But I see it every day, every day. Exciting. And that's where I get my joy.
1: Are you planning to do a follow-up to your memoir, uh, Picture for the Frame?
2: Well, I have some other things in in works right now, Um, not really a follow-up, but um, somewhere along the motivational type um, uh, to guide people and motivate them um, through what I've learned and what I've experienced. And with the hopes that people will, um, what do I want to say, that they will put the emphasis on whatever is important in life, but keeping God first. And I don't really want to restrict it to God because some people, of course, don't have the faith um, in a higher being. But I do believe that if you can put your trust in something greater than yourself, then you will realize whatever it is destiny has uh, prepared for you.
1: Fabulous. Encouraging words, Miss Regina. Thank you for joining me today. The title of the book, again, is Picture for the Frame, subtitled Finding Joy Through Our Trials, a memoir. And my guest has been Regina S. Wood. Ms. Regina, where do we get copies of your book?
2: Okay, I have them available right now on Amazon.com, or you can go to my website, Regina ReginaSWood.com, and you can order from there
1: fabulous. Well, we hope to hear from you in the future and best of luck with this and thank you for sharing your encouraging story about your life and uh, not only the pitfalls that you had to encounter, but also the, the victories through uh, your choices, which were positive. Thank you again, Regina, for joining me.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker.
0: You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
3: Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything.
0: Welcome back to iUniverse Radio.
1: For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Barker. The title of the book is Arrivals and Departures from Normal. And I'm here to share some of the story of the author Lana Jean Rose. Lana Jean Rose is an acclaimed environmental artist who has received grants from many notable foundations, such as the National Endowment for the Arts, the Rockefeller Zellerbach, and Walter and Elise Haas Foundation. She has exhibited throughout Europe and the United States. However, in spite of her national and international acclaim, Rose's true passion is writing. Drawing from her lifetime of experiences and lifetime achievement in the arts, Lana Jean has created a wonderful storyline in this 400 page novel titled Arrivals and Departures from Normal. When asked about the motivation for writing this novel, her response was this My art career suddenly came to a halt after falling and severely fracturing both my wrists approximately five years ago. I found myself living in a state of constant throbbing pain and unable to paint or make handmade paper. My wrists could not hold a paintbrush for more than ten minutes without severe pain and lifting a screen with pulp and paper was now out of the question. My attempted artwork looked like arts and crafts and I realized it was impossible to continue my career. Having the constant desire to be creative, I had to find a way to express myself. Unknowingly, all my life, I'd used art and fashion as coping skills all my life through my dark and difficult times. I was extremely lucky to be a successful artist. I decided to write a book about the funny stories about my life I would always told to people throughout my life. I've always loved writing, so I decided to share all the absurd stories of my life that I'd always told in a very hilarious way, that had people on the floor with tears from laughing so hard. I dictated the book without any notion of ever publishing. It was just another project. One of my art mentors found out about the manuscript, and before I knew it, it was being published. The writing of the book was easy and came quite naturally. It was the constant revision that eventually took its toll. I found myself being thrown into a severe emotional crisis, now continuing over three months for no apparent reason. It became apparent after revising for a year that the so-called funny stories were monstrously cruel scenes and that the main character, Airstream, became a glaring reality that these tragic stories had happened to me and were not funny at all. In fact, I realized I was a very damaged person and had been using art and fashion as coping skills all of my life. Suddenly, my world became empty, and I had no idea who I was. I had no sense of purpose and absolutely no inspiration to even live. Lena continues, The writing of my book benignly brought back all of my memories or flashbacks as referred to for people suffering from complex PTSD of my verbal, sexual, and extremely physical abuse as a child from my parents. All my life, I had no idea that this was the cause of my suffering, no matter how fast I danced and performed perfectly. The therapist copied pages from a book about complex PTSD, and for the first time in my life, I felt there was one person on the planet that knew exactly how I felt and lived. So this book was written for a purpose. My hope is that people of all walks of life hear that my book is a delight, engaging read. It's humorous, witty, and enlightening for those who might have been in therapy for many years and found that they were not being helped through traditional therapy. It wasn't until I was through writing this book and the endless revisions that I discovered I suffer from complex PTSD. People with CPTSD come from an engendering family who were so thoroughly betrayed by their parents, the kind of family that you come from growing up in a severely abusive and or neglectful family. Reflecting on the writing process and development of characters, she said, understanding now why I would find myself being halted with bouts of hopelessness, fear, depression, anxiety and dread. While all along living a life of tremendous success and the adventure I have experienced now makes sense to me. I now begin a new journey of recovery and discovering who Lana is. In reflecting on the characters of her novel, she says the character of D.J. and the scenes of her black widow hunts. Hair checking herself into the E.R. and the monkey story are really funny. I also think the chapters that speak to Air's commitment to heal herself are important, like seeing a therapist for her multiple personalities. Lana's ability to have humor in spite of difficult times in her life is reflected in the storyline as well. She describes it like this. I would say arrivals and departures from normal is like a little girl with an ice cream cone in her hand. She lifts a cone to her mouth and somehow it always lands on her forehead sort of a charlie brown moment when i asked lana how to describe her book she said this is what makes it different from the rest it's a candid and emotional story that is one of pain yet told in a funny way as to behind the scenes of an eventual successful artist and her coping skills from being raised in an abusive environment it's a story of an unknown strength and belief against all odds that hopefully will give people a glimmer of hope when there is no light at the end of the tunnel through learning about complex PTSD. The absurd adventures of Airstream that are told in humorous way eases the pain of the horrible experiences she had to endure as a child. Further expanding, Lana shares that the story takes place in the 50s in Texas, then to California for the 60s, 70s and 80s. Expanding upon the challenges of writing this book, Lana describes it this way, the most challenging part was simply editing. The rewarding part was to have the opportunity to finally stop hiding out and dancing as fast as I could with my coping skills, such as art, fashion, and humor, and begin to understand complex PSTD and recovery. Author Lana Jean Rose has taken some of her personal experiences in life, put them into writing in this fictional account titled Arrivals and Departures from Normal, an iUniverse Release. You can get your copy at Amazon.com, online, or Barnes & Noble, or other fine retailers by requesting it by name, arrivals and departures from normal, author Lana Jean Rose, or also on her website, LanaJeanRose.com. Fry universe, this is Jay Douglas Barker.
0: You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
1: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
4: When your focus is to lose weight or maintain your present weight, exercising effectively to burn the most calories is crucial. You want to give yourself every advantage to burn as many calories as possible. One good tip is to do your strength training exercises standing up so you can keep your heart rate up. Another tip is to perform multi-joint exercises when you can. For example, as you're doing a forward lunge, add bicep curls while you're coming up from the lunge. Another example is to execute a wide squat, and as you're coming up from the squat, perform a shoulder press. By doing these multi-joint exercises, you're putting more demands on your body, keeping your heart rate up, and working more muscles at the same time. The goal is to burn the most calories during that workout. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com.
0: Welcome back to iUniverse Radio.
5: Welcome to Author Voices on Air, and I'm your host, Rick Bell. Our next book is the story of the author's experiences. She describes herself as a singer who can no longer sing. Whilst travelling home to get ready to perform as a singer at a variety show at a leading club in Sydney, Australia, the author was involved in a horrific car accident which left her in a coma for over four months. With the support and encouragement of her late husband, who sadly passed away recently, she decided to write a book about her life and about the changes that her accent has brought. Her new book, My Corner of the Sky, takes the reader on a journey through the author's glittering career as a club and television entertainer, her scary road trip to Darwin, and her performance at the Sydney Opera House, all of which were cut short by the tragedy of what happened. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show the author, Kerry dyer Welcome to the show, Kerry, and thank you for joining me. Now, can I first of all begin by offering our sincere condolences for the recent passing of your late husband, who I know was a great inspiration to you and no doubt will be very proud of everything that you go on to achieve.
6: Thank you very much. I'm sure he would be, yes.
5: Now, your book is unquestionably an inspiration, as you yourself are, as a writer, a former singer and performer. Can I ask, first of all, what was the major motivation and inspiration behind your decision to write a book?
6: The major inspiration behind writing a book goes back to what my husband said to me a long time ago, you should write it all down because you have to... You remember things, and you may forget. And I sort of thought, I'll never forget this. But I have quite quite plainly forgotten some things. So they're all written down in the book. Now they're there forever.
5: Obviously something you want to share with the readers. But talking about the readers, when you were writing the book, you must have had a particular audience or a particular readership in mind. Who would you say that you wrote the book for and why?
6: I wrote it for anyone that needed a bit of encouragement and a bit of help to make them feel determined to overcome in the difficulties that they faced.
5: Now that brings me to my next question. It's often said that every book, whether it be fact, fiction or fable, has a message or a lesson to be learned by the reader. What would you say is the one thing that you want the readers of your book to learn or to take away from your book?
6: The the one thing that I would really like if you want to learn from the book or whatever is that there's no point in giving up. You must keep trying. You must work at every aspect of living. Otherwise, what is the point of being alive?
5: Well, having read the book, um, I can certainly say you are proof of that in yourself. Without giving too much away, tell me a little more about some of the the life's memories that you share in this book with the readers, and something about the scenes and the characters in the book.
6: Well, the person that was me in those in those days was a bit risky and a bit strange, <laughs> but I've got involved with a lot of strange things. There's a lot of semi-sexual connotations and some other things that are not semi-sexual at all. There's also the determination and the uh, working hard at correcting my walking and my talking. I still don't talk really well, but... It was making me work really hard in the in the hospital to sort of recover my abilities to do just the basic things I missed not being able to do the more elite things, and I suddenly couldn 't even do the basic things
5: now talking about what you 've been through in yourself and the the horrific accident that you were involved in and your recovery from there what would you say is the one thing that has been the strength for you and has helped you to the stage of recovery that you're at at present
6: it's going to sound rather strange but I believe I think I wrote about it in the book I believe I had an out of body experience when I was unconscious and Having not been allowed to go into the gate, go through the gates, I was sent back to Earth again. So I think that he has a definite, had a definite purpose for sending me back. Now, I had my baby girl, my daughter, which was the first reason for being. Saved and sent back, and the second reason for being saved was for giving my darling husband the help and support he needed when he had the Alzheimer's, and so we've, I've sort of, how would you say, it? I've looked after him, and in the same way that he looked after me after the accident and helped me learn to walk and talk again. I helped him learn to live again with, with the Alzheimer's. And although he did not do what one would call living, he was alive and he sort of was comfortable. So that's well, you, the You've
5: certainly been what I could describe as a, a tower of strength for each other. Now, the book... I think it would be fair to describe as the memoirs, if you like. Yes. How would you say, that aside, how would you say this book differs from other similar type books? And what would you say sets it
6: apart? Well, that's that's a rather strange question because obviously I would find my story more important than anybody else's story. But I think... It's probably not any different to a lot of other things that encourage people, but it is honest and forthright and it is really written in a way that means that you're sitting there talking to me. And people have often commented that it was like sitting in a bedroom or a lounge room talking one-to-one with me and walking through. It was very personal. So from that point of view, it's different.
5: That certainly gives the, the listeners an insight into why they should want to pick up this book and read your story. Now, talking about your story, where does the book begin? Where does the story begin? Does it take you back to your early life or is it the after the accident? Part,
6: the first part of the book is the aftermath of the accident in the hospital when I was coming out of the coma. The second part goes back to when I was a child. Childhood goes through all my youthful irascibilities in Greenacre where I grew up. And it's all sort of just normal sort of chit-chat about the, the things that kids do at school, at school and in the neighbourhood. It goes into my show business days and then... To the time when I, because I was not exactly the best behaved person in those days, and I was sort of having a downtime, and I, I just spoken up with my first auntie, and I decided I wanted to change, so I ride with a fellow to Darwin, which is where I worked quite a lot, and we drove all the way to Darwin but I found out that that guy that I'd run off with was also a gangster and he had a gun in the car. When I said I wanted to leave he made very plain that I wasn't going anywhere but eventually I had him arrested and looked away out to get away from it into Darwin and then after Darwin I came back to Sydney, and I met my husband again, and we got married. So then there's a chapter about the wedding and about how I had the baby and all those sorts of things. So it's really just basically a memoir. But some people say I've had an interesting life.
5: Well, certainly, um, there's no question that your life has been interesting and fuller colourful characters. Now moving on to writing the book itself, what for you did you find most challenging about writing the book? And obviously writing in itself is bound to bring out rewards. Tell me some something about that side of it as well.
6: It was strange in that when I wrote it I didn't sort of follow all the normal routines, normal routines of writing a book. I just wrote it down as I thought it, as it came out. And that's why some of the book is a bit wobbly and bounces back and forward. And I sort of wasn't really bothered about tidying it up to be written, to be published, really, because it was never meant for that in the first place. So when I was writing, I wasn't sure whether I had said something or not. And so quite often I would repeat myself. But you find that it sort of all gets around to telling you the story as it happened.
5: Now that brings me to my next question. As a first-time writer, and we discussed this when we were speaking off-air earlier, has writing this book given you the inspiration to want to write another book or maybe even further books?
6: Now that my husband's died... I'm thinking of writing, and because Alzheimer's is such a hot topic, I'm thinking of writing a a book that involves telling how one comes with Alzheimer's and how one comes with the problems that arise from Alzheimer's.
5: Because as you say, someone with Alzheimer's is still very much a person, still very much a human being with thoughts and feelings and so on, and I s- certainly think that that would be a good read and also would be helpful for a lot of people who are so- looking after someone with, with Alzheimer's. Now in closing, is there anything that you would like to add that we maybe have not covered yet during this interview about your book?
6: The book is interesting and it's a really good read and there's a lot of uh, inspirational things in it so for anyone that wants to be inspired that's what the book is great
5: Thank you Kerry My Corner of the Sky is published by iUniverse and is available direct from the publishers at iUniverse.com and all good talkers. Once again many thanks to my special guest today the author and writer Kerry dyer for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. This is Rick Bell for TogiNet Radio. Thank you for listening.
0: iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio, radio with a cutting edge.